0: The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hey listeners, welcome to a bonus episode of TGIC Podcast. I'm Izzy. And I'm Jillian. And if you're new here, that is not normal. (laughs) Um, usually Jillian obviously does the introduction, but today, well, she did an episode of the Broken Hat, like, three months ago, but it was really, like, two episodes ago, um, and she did it solo, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do that too, so I'm covering a solo episode today, just, like, a little short bonus one, um, yeah, and Jillian will be adding in. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird. We've done this before. We've done this before, though. Because one time... Hold on. Now I have to, like, cross-check. Didn't we do episode one time you did something about, the like, what the where the crystals are? That was, like, your episode, wasn't yeah. it? I think. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. Did we both do research on that, or was that you were just... It ready? was just me. It was? Oh, yeah, because I did this were, episode, the Christmas yeah. episode. So we've been doing this for, like, two months. Yeah, we do this every once in a while. Yeah. And I feel like we've really... As our... We've gotten, like... As our podcast has grown... We've kind of started experimenting with new things, like we just did a Conspiracy Theories episode. Again. Again. So it's just like, Try yeah. Trying new things. Trying new things. Um, so today, I'm going to be talking about the murder of Stephen Robards. So to background, let's start off. Um, so I'm going to start by giving some background into the parents of Mary Robards, who is the obvious criminal in this case. How's that obvious? I didn't know that. Well, not obvious. You just said it like oh, you're like she, the obvious criminal. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Who's Mary? Well, she is the criminal, oh. so you know that. Anyway, so yeah, Mary. Um, so during the nineteen seventies in Fort Worth, Texas, Stephen Robard and Beth Lomer were the power couple in their high school social sphere. So Stephen was the school's heartthrob, um, and um, Beth was on. What are you doing? I'm trying to look for my toy. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, Jillian has like a squish ball that she uses. Stress <laughs> that ball? That sounds weird. Not squish ball, <laughs> stress like ball. It's a stress ball. I just want my toy. Yeah, so sorry for that brief distraction. <laughs> sorry, continue. <laughs> um, so, Stephen was the school's heartthrob, and Beth was on multiple varsity sports teams and was the president of her school's chapter of the National Honor Society. So, power couple AF. Wow. Um. But by 1974, at just 18 years old, the two tied the knot right before Stephen entered the Navy for a four-year deployment. So, only two years later, Beth gave birth to their only child, a daughter named Dorothy Marie Robards. And oh, my God, she goes by her middle name, too. Yeah, she does. I wonder if all people that go by their middle name are criminals. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> Beth explained through an interview with Texas Monthly that after the wedding with Stephen, his facade kind of faltered and she like, obviously they were high school sweethearts, so she was kind of like tied up in the love, like her first love, whatever. Um, And basically, Stephen really struggled with depression and erratic behavior, and she said that it kind of resembled adult temper tantrums, which were kind of like fueled by jealousy. So, once Marie was a child, Beth ended up leaving Stephen in 1980 and took Marie to live with her. And by 1981, Beth remarried a Navy officer named Frank Burroughs, who she had met whilst on deployment with Stephen in Florida. Tea. Which is some tea. But apparently, like, they never had a relationship until, like, years later when they reconnected. Once, Beth and Stephen split. And, um... This is kind of interesting. I don't really know why I included this, but I thought it was fascinating. But in the trial of Marie, obviously years later, Frank stood at the stand and said proudly that she called him, quote-unquote, dad since him and Beth had been married since Marie was only four years old. But once, like, you get more context, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't know why he did this, but okay. anyways, he made it very clear. And even though Frank and Beth were married when, Mar- were married when Mary was young, Mary seemed to resent Frank because she was generally like very territorial of her mother, and they were like super close, and everybody knew that they were close. Like they were basically best friends. Now, on to Marie. So Marie Roberts was noted to not be a big extrovert, and she only had a few really close friends. And at Granbury High School, she had like a general reputation of being mature, focused on school, and generally staying out of trouble. And apparently she was also, like, a really beautiful girl who was never interested in dating, but was always, like, all the boys knew her, and probably girls, in her class. So it was, like, everybody knew her, knew who she was, and, like, were kind of jealous of her. Um, So she danced and played clarinet and, by all means, did not seem capable of murder. (laughs) <laughs> um she danced and played clarinet and by all means just didn't seem capable of murder. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I feel like a lot of times when you're covering cases like this, they're like, Yeah, the kid was so messed up, like we're black and listen to rock music. And like I wouldn't doubt that they did this, but like nobody would have expected her mm. to do this. I feel like they always are like incels. Yeah. So you got some dust on your toy. You were just rubbing it on there. Oh. Um, so this kind of, but this kind of changed in the summer of 1992 because something seemed to shift. So the week before Marie's 16th birthday, she came home and found Frank having an affair with another woman who was not her mother. Well, no, duh. Another okay. woman who was not her mother. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to be clear. And this had like a really big effect on Marie, who was already really territorial of her mother. And basically her mom was like, I'm not going to leave Frank like, she loved him, and she knew that, like, he recognized what he did was wrong. That's stupid. Which is stupid, but whatever. It's and like that show that I'm watching. Yeah. And Beth also said that she was, like, Beth, who is Marie's mom, so that she was, like, working a lot of time at the local ER, and that, like, him cheating on her was essentially, like, him acting out that she was working so much, which is, like, a child. You are mm-hmm. a child. But anyways... So once Marie kind of caught Frank in the act, she loathed him. Like, she hated him, didn't want to be in the same house. And Marie, who used to be, like, a goody-two-shoes and kind of, like, didn't really speak out, now talked back and disobeyed everything that her both of her parents told her. And in an interview with Texas Monthly, Beth said that, quote, she withdrew from all of us, quote, unquote, before saying to Beth that she needed to move out. Hmm. So Marie was like, I gotta go. I'm a dip. And she left. So I'm going to get into the timeline. At, in 1992, Beth had made arrangements for Marie to move in with her grandparents who lived in Fort Worth. And she even enrolled her in high school near their house. However, after only a few days of moving in, Marie like spent all of her money and took a cab back to her mom's house. Yet, upon her return, Frank kind of flexed one of his biggest rules that he had enforced on the household because he was like a disciplinarian. And that rule was that once you move out, you can't move back in. Okay. So, Frank had a son in a previous marriage who used to live with them, but then ended up making the decision to move in with his, like, act- his biological mother. And he ended up, like, never coming back. Hmm. So, he was like, I'm going to stick by this rule, whatever. And I think that this is bullshit. Like, the fact that, like your child chooses to live with another parent and they can never come back to the house that they once lived in yeah that's you. weird i don't know and he said that the rule was important in mending divorced families together so that children can't bounce around and like i don't know but i just feel like this is really strict and yeah i don't know. also since marie is so young too so beth said that in an interview with texas monthly that the scene of this was horrific and, quote, Mary was crying for me to take her back and Frank was shouting at me, quote, you know the rule and you can't break it. The same thing that applied to my son should apply to her. He was making sense, I know, but I feel like he made was making a choice between making me choose between him and her. Hmm. And so, like, also, I keep quoting Texas Monthly because it's, like, the only news that, like, any of them would talk to. So that's where all the best, like, quotes hmm. are from. And Marie, um, not Marie, Beth chose Frank, so she chose her husband over her daughter, and she claims that this is because she imagined, like, that all this would be temporary, and eventually Marie would, like, move in with her, with Stephen, her father, and then Frank would eventually pull that massive stick out of his ass and be like, oh, yeah, she can move back in, but, like, he never did, and... This is actually really sweet, but on the other hand, Stephen was, like, overjoyed by the news that Marie was going to come live with him. And his Marie had, his Marie, his depression. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry. Um. um, His depression was managed through medication a few years previous. Um, he had a steady job at USPS, and he was in a romance with a single mom named Sandra Hudgens who lived in the same apartment complex as him. And he had also applied for an even larger apartment in his complex to make Marie more comfortable, so instead of having one room, having two rooms. And, like, apparently, once Marie had moved in with him, she was still, like, really upset and eager to move back with her mom. She sent letters to Beth and called her multiple times daily, lamenting on how much she hated her new school, how Stephen had no cooking or cleaning skills, and how she wanted to return home and in comparison sandra who was steven's girlfriend said that he did everything to make her happy and comfortable in such a confusing time and he wanted to like please her in any way possible so he took her to the mall to restaurants and to movies but like she still wanted to go home Hmm. and after a few months marie ended up being like in the top of her class at her new high school and she was making friends and she was deemed a super quote bubbly gal and her friends even said that she liked Stephen and never talked back or acted rashly towards him and, like, never really said anything in this period of time. However, in February of 1993, that really came to a different, like, a change. So, while she was in class and the teacher was distracted, she took a bottle of barium acetate oh. and poured it into a napkin, which she then put into her backpack. Oh. The barium acetate was stored in a container that read, quote, poisonous and is often referred to, or is often used as a catalyst for organic synthesis in chemistry classes. So, it's used in, like, experiments. Um, and on the night of February 18th, she put the barium acetate into Stephen's refried beans that they were eating for dinner. Oh. Oh my. Yeah. Oh me, oh my. Why would she do that? Um, well, basically, I'll get into it more, but it's just like what's so weird to me is that she was fine and then all of a sudden she did this. Oh. Well, sometimes though they say that people but get like fine if they have a plan for how to fix things. Yeah. So, after dinner, Stephen went to a Wednesday night church service, which he ended up leaving after less than an hour because he was having stomach pains. I mean, I have stomach pains, yeah. Yeah. So, he went home, and he started vomiting. And Marie went and got Sandra, who is his girlfriend, and told her that Stephen was not feeling well. And Marie went to Sandra's apartment to care for her kid. And meanwhile, Sandra was witnessing a horrible scene. So Stephen was in bed, and he told Sandra that, Sandra that his limbs were stiff and that he couldn't swallow anything. Sandra immediately called the paramedics, and whilst on the phone, she heard him gurgling in the other room. And when she went in, she saw that he was, like, catatonic, and his mouth was foaming. Oh my God. And once the ambulance got there, they attempted to put an oxygen tube in his throat, but his throat was swollen shut. And Marie ended up coming back to the apartment at this point. And she was, like, in the doorway. And then Sandra came up to her and, like, held her and, like, put her face in her chest so that, like, Marie wouldn't be seeing this. But, like, basically Sandra, like, stood there and watched her father die. Well, she kind of killed him. Yeah, Marie did. She literally killed him. And at Stephen's funeral, Marie was, like, silent and, quote, dazed. And Beth told her that she made... And Beth, who was her mom, basically told her that she made the decision to divorce Frank, like, at the funeral. Like, right afterwards. Oh. And apparently, all along, Beth was planning to move to Florida. And she had just made the plans final and got a job there and a house. And uh, she'd known this the entire time that Marie was living with Stephen. Really, but how did... She didn't know Marie was going to go and kill her father. No, but that's what I'm saying. If Marie, like... If Beth had told Marie only a week prior, none of this would have happened, yeah, which is crazy. that is crazy. But it's also like she couldn't know. So it's yeah. like, yeah. So they packed up and moved to Florida. And Marie was really depressed and rarely got out of bed. So by the time that June rolled around and Frank came to Florida to make amends with Beth, Marie was ready to leave. And Beth ended up choosing Frank once again. And Marie moved back to Texas. Because Beth and Frank ended up, like, fully getting back together. Mm. Um, so she moved back to Texas and chose to stay with Stephen's parents. Stephen's parents As wanted in, to have her? Well, I guess nobody they didn't knows. Know. Nobody knows, yeah. And, uh, which is a weird choice, but, like, a lot of people think that maybe she wanted to ease her mind and, like, actually be, like, a granddaughter that, like, they wanted. That's even, weird. Which is really weird. Um... So, like, back in Texas with her grandparents, she never faltered, like, this facade never went away. She went on to be a straight-A student who excelled in extracurriculars in school. And she ended up being really close with this girl named Stacy High, who was a fellow student at the high school they attended. And Stacy was more extroverted and still really focused on school, but she was more, like, outgoing and into partying and stuff like that. And she kind of pushed Marie out of her comfort zone. And this is what seemed to make them, like, such close friends so quickly and interestingly we flash forward to a few months later the one thing that got marie to crack was when her and stacy were reading cliff notes for shakespeare for school oh so they were at marie's house and they were reading hamlet at the point of claudius's soliloquy in act three scene three so this is basically when claudius is like you find out that he's very flawed and like People do bad things, but they're still good people, essentially. Mm. And this is when Marie told Stacy everything. Damn. And she begged Stacy not to tell anybody. But then Stacy went home and told her mother, Libby High. No, duh. Who she was really close to. Because obviously, like, your best friend tells you that you, like, she murdered her father. Like I would tell somebody. And she went into detail. Like, she talked about the barium acetate, putting it into his food, him going out to church, like, everything. Yeah, I would have... Yeah, I would have told my parents. Yeah, and, like, at first, Libby High thought that maybe she would have made, made up the story in the wake of her father's death, especially since her father's death had been deemed a heart attack. But after a period of time and calls to poison control, Libby knew that Marie was actually telling the truth. And, uh, however, Libby High never called the police because she wanted Stacy to make the call, which is, like, a lot of pressure but I get But I get that it's like it's her best friend like she wants her daughter to be the No, woman. I would just say that like they're going to trust her account more than Libby's. Yeah. Also that. So, Stacy like really grappled after being told told this story by Marie and she was plagued by anxiety and nightmares in which Marie chased her. Yeah, be scared and too. yeah, following the 1-year anniversary of Stephen's death Stacy actually confided in a school guidance counselor and called the police to turn in Marie That's at the good. school. So after the arrest of Marie, the investigation, which should have been much simpler. However, due to like a lack of equipment, it took months for blood testing to be done. And this is actually because so in the first part, they they had no reason to suspect murder. So they could have done more testing on his blood to see if there are any drugs or, like, chemicals in his system, but they didn't have access to, like, the, like, $100,000 machine in the small police department, so that's why it was never ruled that, like, gotcha. he had the barium acetate in his blood, so they just called it a heart attack. But once they got the equipment, um, they determined that Stephen died from a dose of barium acetate that was more than 200 times the normal amount in human blood. So, after this, Marie was let out on bond and went to live with her mother and Frank. And during the trial, the defense took the angle that Marie had no idea that the barium acetate would kill her father. She just wanted to make him sick enough so that she could go live with her mother. That doesn't make any sense. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, you're just gonna make him, like, throw up. That's not gonna make you, like, go live with your father. Like, you would have to... And then the defense... Like, not defense. The, uh... Prosecution. prosecution took the side they were like well that still wouldn't have like yeah that makes no sense that makes absolutely no sense and like even still she's not a stupid girl she knows that like really there was not like what what kind of sickness was she trying to cause like? no literally just making like that doesn't make sense and the most powerful statement of the trial was from stacy no duh yeah and also like there were a few other statements from students in her school and apparently she said to a girl one time that like the only way she could go live with her mother was to burn down her father's apartment. Oh, yeah. But anyways, um, Marie was convicted of murder, and because she's like she was like nineteen at the time, they and she committed the crime when she was sixteen. Like, she was given a twenty eight year sentence with only the possibility of parole after seven years. Is she out now? Um. No. What? What year was this? Um. This was in the nineties. Yeah. So, oh shit. Wait, is she, she out? She might be out. Wait, can you look up her? Up? Yeah. Um. Is Marie. Robards. Still in jail. Perfect. <gasps> released on parole in two thousand three. She's living under what? a different identity. She's living under a different identity. Oh, I hate that. I hate, I hate that. I hate so that. much. I hate when people are living under different identities. It scares me. Because it's like, she murdered someone in cold blood. She murdered her father. I hate, I hate the new identity thing. That's like in that case, the Sylvia Likens case, how the, like, the older kids that were definitely yes, involved Gabe. in the torture no, all have new identities horrible. and then no. one was found out to be a teacher. <sighs> no, wasn't he a special needs teacher? Am I making that up? I don't think so it was one of the girls oh. the older girl she was a teacher maybe she was a special needs teacher I don't know know she was definitely like an elementary school teacher or something uh, there's there's a case where that happened but um no like it's just it's so messed up like I just like oh, oh my god that's so scary I know I just don't like that like she very well could have like served you at Starbucks like literally she could be anywhere she could have been a substitute teacher we had like no like that's just crazy that's so scary I don't know. Well, yeah, that was my case. I mm-hmm. feel like this would be a really interesting, like, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. This wouldn't be interesting. What? So, like, I was thinking to watch in a movie or a show or something, but, like, this is so fucked up. Like, this is, like, no, I don't. not, like, an interesting... Well, I just, like, the fact that she would have gotten away with it, too, except for, like, she was stupid like, no, like, her bad her bestie. Yeah, like, people that call is not this, like, like the perfect crime That's because like, it was, like... That's not, like, a BFF confession time. Like, you don't share that. No, it's like you're still weighing on her. I don't know. I don't know. Well, this was a bonus episode of TGIC Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at tgic.podcast. Bye!